Hello, Magic Hour listeners. I'm really excited for you guys to hear all about the Beacon episode that's coming up. But first, I wanted to give you a little community update, and I hope to be doing this more in the future as well. So first, I want to talk to you about this little game called Race to Uranus. That's right, that's the name, Race to Uranus. I was offered an opportunity to beta test this game. The devs have asked to remain anonymous, but I know them well, and they are connected with Battlefly and LifeDAO and have the support of the TreasureDAO team. Their code is open source, and you can see that open source on the website, and you can also find it in the show notes. We'll link to that. And again, it's called Race to Uranus. That's not a joke. And it's a game of chance involving your smalls or your imbued souls or your battleflies. And also, you can win magic playing this game. So be sure to check it out. Again, the link's going to be in the show notes. So yeah, it launches today, by the way. I'm really excited. Next up, I'm going to use this space before our interviews to cover any treasure improvement proposals. There currently aren't any out there yet, but future ones will be announced here on the Magic Hour pod as well, so it'll keep you all in the loop on those items. And then finally, I wanted to tell you about this new initiative called the Treasure DAO Content SubDAO. This is something that we are working on the Magic Hour pod with the Treasure Times and the Treasure DAO team. We're going to basically collaborate our efforts, which we think will provide more resources to our builders in announcing their initiatives, their mints, their new features, as well as for the players who want to know what's going on with some of their favorite projects. We're going to be working on more social media engagement, more interviews, more just more content and getting the word out there for the Treasure DAO. I'm really excited about this. I think you should be too. So keep an eye out, keep an ear out, and we'll see what comes of it. Thank you very much. And here's the beacon. Coming at you all the way from Arbitrum, it's the Magic Hour Podcast. This is Alan. Dionysus. And Breaker. Produced by Digital Strategies Guild. Hello, friends of the Magic Hour. Today we've got a wonderful episode for you. I have the team from The Beacon here to tell us all about the project. We have Zlex. Faranku and Davey. Did I get all that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Happy Great. to be here. Excited to be here. So usually we start these episodes with a little introduction to the team. Why don't you guys mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourselves and how did you discover crypto and Web3 and and what excited you about it? All right, sure. I guess I can begin if that's the case. Sure. Hey, guys. Celix here. My name is Diego. I'm the CEO of The Beacon. Oh, I'm a software developer, but I also have a, a background in psychology. As, as, as a secondary background, I've been a gamer all my life. I played different MMOs while growing up, and I'm still a gamer up to this day. I do play some, some Dota 2, but I for sure no longer have the time to, to play as much as I used to when I was younger. So I've been into the crypto space ever since 2016, late 2016, uh, where me and Rafa Franku, we built an ETH miner back in the day. And we used that ETH miner to pretty much hit our, hit our home uh, back into, let's call them the rough Chilean winters. But we also used the same ETH miner to brew, to brew some beer uh, because the miner provided like the perfect environment for, for brewing beer. 
oddly enough. Um, okay, that, that's this, that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One that you were a fellow brewer because I used to brew beer too, and a gamer. Oh, nice. Really cool. Oh yeah, so we share we share the same set of. <laughs> and I also <laughs> built, I also built my first miner back in like twenty. 13 or 2014 but i didn't know that i could use oh. it to heat my home so that's pretty cool yeah yeah i mean it, it paid for itself at some point <laughs> that, that's that's funny Although it might not be the most efficient way to heat your home just just yeah, it yeah out, for right? sure <laughs> i mean well i mean money wise it depends on yeah, how much enough. you get yeah. yeah yeah for sure i mean if we kept those going those coins maybe maybe it would have um, so the thing is, well, that's how uh, our, my crypto journey in particular began. But I've heard about crypto earlier than that, but I never really jumped into it until until well until it became a bit more popular by the end of uh, 2016. And well, besides that, uh, besides that, as a background, like my work background, uh, I I used to cut my teeth at Microsoft uh, a few a few years back until I, at some point I landed the. The position of a product manager on Microsoft Chile. I was a product manager of Azure, which is the, well, Microsoft's cloud fundamentally. But I've always been the kind of guy who likes to build things, and I quickly realized that the corporate life was not for me. So back in the day, me and Rafa just pretty much decided to quit our jobs and, and create our own blockchain development company. This was back in 2019, though. And one thing led to another, and that's how well how we're here. Let's call it. And that's well. That's a, 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 brief, a brief intro about me. Maybe Thank you can jump into Rafa now if you want. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh. go for it. <laughs> no, no, go for it. All right, all right. Well, so my name is uh, Rafael, but you can find me on Twitter as Zero X Franco. So I'm the CTO at the Beacon. Uh, and I guess a little bit about myself. I've always been uh, interested, you know, in, in building stuff since I was little. So I decided to learn to code in high school just to build stuff for a living, I guess. But the stuff that I like to build the most is uh, always has been games. I used to, you know, like uh, spend most of my free time when I was younger just building games and trying it out with my cousins and friends, all that, all that stuff. From the more professional side, I've um, I worked in uh, technical leadership roles for more than a decade at this point, both as an employee uh, as well as a co-founder. And um, yeah, I guess like uh, before I went back to entrepreneurship, which is now, uh, I was working at um, Polymath, which was a security tokens uh, uh, chain. And um, yeah, I guess like a year ago, I decided to go uh, full nomadic, by the way, <laughs> and just started traveling with my girlfriend to cats. And finally, you know, I've been doing what I like to do the most, which is building games with these two guys and a great team. So yeah, super excited about this, these times. And I guess that's uh, it. That's me. Yeah. That, that does sound very exciting. And I've heard of polymath before. Mm, uh, let's talk mm, after mm. the pod because you might you might know some people that I know. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And then uh, what about you, Davy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so my name's Davy. Run some of the operations around here, and I really began my career out in San Francisco about almost like a I guess a decade ago. During college, I was you know building a startup. At the time we were working on Einstein.com with a uh, a couple of buddies of mine, and then um, at some point, we uh, the startup ended up crashing. So we took some of the code. One of my co-founders and I, we decided to go into cartography, and that was actually kind of where we first started with crypto. We uh, Coinbase. We at the time was about promotion, you know, five dollars uh, Bitcoin. This was in 2014 when it was like about two hundred fifty dollars uh, a Bitcoin, I believe, something around there. 
And so we started payments and in, uh, in Bitcoin, and that's that was kind of you know always very exciting, you know, exciting ground floor, um, especially for for me there. And so um, afterwards, I went into cybersecurity. I was working at a startup called Synac uh, in the Bay Area. They were a bug bounty firm. And essentially, I worked uh, my way up to engineering manager, and we were managing a team of just you know uh, for building out web vulnerability detections. And after that, I decided to kind of just quit everything, quit my job, uh, sold all my stuff, and just decided to go to South America with a pair of skis and just be a ski bum. That's actually where I met uh, Diego and uh, Diego and Rafa, uh, who are on this call. Uh, mm-hmm. I was actually ended up in their spare bedroom, which was kind of uh, an Airbnb <laughs> at the time. And I way overstayed my welcome. I think I was uh, originally slated for just a month and ended up staying for like half a year in their house uh, just for that period. Um, but you know, we had a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and we, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we got into brewing some uh, IPAs. Uh, so, you know, if you're a brewer, you, you know what that's about. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, working with the, uh, the Ethereum miner at the time, trying to get the, the 21 degrees Celsius that's perfect for fermentation. And mm-hmm. so afterwards, uh, after my stint as a ski bum, uh, got called back into tech. Essentially, I was working in a VC fund um, in the Bay Area uh, remotely, though. And essentially mm-hmm. through there, I was exposed to a lot of deals, especially in crypto and crypto gaming. Uh, one of the most exciting ones was Forte, which was one of our investments in 20. I want to say like 20, 2019 or so. Um, mm-hmm. And so Forte, they're a big kind of uh, big into crypto gaming, but mostly on the Solana blockchain. And okay. so uh, over time, um, after, some, after some more kind of just engineering and investments, Rafa and Diego kind of called me up, telling me that they were working in you know, building a, a blockchain studio. And now they want to kind of pivot into building uh, a Web3 game. And yeah. You know, Absolutely. That was, uh, that was a short, that didn't really need much convincing uh, from their side. And here we are. <laughs> awesome. You know, I think that in a, in a different dimension, if you guys subscribe to the multiverse theory, that we all would have been friends because I'm a ski bum too. So, <laughs> ski bum, brewers, gamers, Web3, I mean. Are we not friends in this dimension? No, we, we are. But like, I mean, I probably would like be hanging out with you guys in Chile also, it sounds like. Oh, excellent. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had like, it's funny, um, this is probably back in like 2011, 2012. I kind of wanted to go to Chile and live there for a couple months, but I ended up meeting my ex, but you know, she was, <laughs> you know, my girlfriend at the time, and I ended up staying. I never went, but who knows what would happen. That's why I say in a different dimension. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I digress. Yeah. I digress. Those, yeah. those pretty interesting stories. Now, Obviously, we're all in crypto, but how did you guys discover the magic ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty so, of different places that you so, could develop the game. Sh- sure, sure. I mean, maybe I, later I can jump into what made us take the decision of joining magic. But mm-hmm. the way that we found about it, it's like at some point when we, been, when we were doing our fundraising, like our initial fundraising rounds, uh, we were also looking for different, let's say, chains or different ecosystems to launch the game on uh, because it's still like a tough decision. Right? There, there's many different blockchains pushing for the adoption of games, right? Like you have AVEX on one side or Polygon or different, there, there, there are different initiatives in that sense. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the v, crypto VCs that we talked to um, pretty much uh, told us like, hey, have you guys seen the magic ecosystem? Have you seen the treasure ecosystem? And, and because we believe that that would be like a great fit for you. And uh, 
that's pretty much how we first heard about it. We just we were offered the the option to look into it, and when we looked into it, we realized that they that Magic pretty much had the community that we were looking that we were looking for to build to build this game. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and what was it about? What was it about the community in general? Like a lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So to jump into that, so one of the issues with uh, finding a community, or, or or let's say if you were to, if we were to start from scratch, building on whatever other chain. Even though these different chains are pushing for the for games to be developed all over them, each game on these different chains seems to be like its own silo, right? Like an isolated community that does that mm -hmm. has a very little interaction with the other games. Right. And when we saw Treasure, we realized that this was an ecosystem of people that were very fond of games and very fond of crypto, mm -hmm. uh, and that were pushing the same sort of ethos that we that we that we were trying to to, to push ourselves, right? This ethos of having interoperability between different part, between different projects. We really like the idea of, let's say, Treasure Coin calling itself the Nintendo of crypto. And we quickly realized that the people there, like the community we found in, in Magic, was pretty much what we, what we were looking for. It's like this, this, that kind of profile of person that, that loves games, that loves the crypto as well, that believes in the future of this. And that is also, <laughs> luckily, uh, very fond of pixel art uh, kind of style right which which our game actually really fits well into so yeah. it seemed to be like a very like a very good fit from the beginning and and i don't think we have changed changed our minds at all with that it's like we really like the community and treasure well, well that means a lot to me and and mm -hmm. i think that you nailed it because community is super important in, yeah it's the most important yeah. aspect right and like you said like the games that are siloed unless they're super popular they're just not gonna survive if if people lose interest because exactly uh, exactly one of the and things you have yeah, sure, no, 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 go, 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 yeah in, in, in here you have like people people that actually share a vision across like multiple projects and that's that's mm -hmm. very very hard to replicate that and i something that i've learned in crypto is that to be successful you have to have that network effect yeah. if you're not generating transactions within your ecosystem then there's going to be no value there because that's part of the value too. The value comes from the consistent transactions because that's what generates all the different fees, the yields that might get set up. All, all, everything functions when there's a lot of activity. When there's no activity, you're just done. But I absolutely agree. Yeah, that was something that we saw with uh, Magic, just like the level, sheer level of engagement, mm -hmm. and it was just super promising to see. I'm just really, really left it from the get go. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. like easy like to notice when you know like uh, people from Magic started you know joining the Discord you know and they were just participating on a very different level compared to you know like I guess the the outside the outsider of the Magic uh, ecosystem. So yeah, mm -hmm. which doesn't which I mean doesn't preclude any of us from mm. interacting with things of outside the Magic ecosystem. Of course, of course, so, like, you yeah. know, yeah. but it it still is pretty exciting. Yeah. So let's go into the beacon because. I, I think that what I keep looking at is this, I guess, graphic on the Trove website. And if you're a listener out there and you haven't seen it yet, go to trove.treasure.lol. It's like right there on the homepage. And it's this guy who's like rolling and swinging a sword and navigating through all these enemies. Tell me about the beacon. I am dying to know. I want to know what it's about. I want to know how I can play it. Let's, all right. Let's get all into right. this. Let's, let's whet your appetite here. Yeah. So the beacon, what we're trying to build here is a free-to-play fantasy action roguelite RPG. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, 
we're trying to do something special here by incorporating, you know, MMO-like social aspects and NFTs into the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And to give a really high level, you know, players will be able to just traverse through progressively harder dungeons. You can hone your reflexes slaying enemy monsters and just get to explore the world with friends, participate in the economy with your NFT loots. And so how the story goes is that you start off as a citizen of a city state called Alteris. This is uh, the city that's home to a giant monolith called the Beacon. And the Beacon, it's really there to kind of, with a protective shield, protecting the city from evil forces. But unfortunately, it's having issues. It's waning. And so you, the player, are getting sent off to faraway dangerous lands in order to just help secure some of the supplies necessary to maintain the Beacon and the well-being of Alteris, of course. And so how we envision this is that there are going to be three primary modes of gameplay. So we want the single-player PvE. This is going to be your roguelite gameplay where you go through the dungeons, you battle through monsters, you clear rooms, and just try to get as far as you can. If mm-hmm. you've anyone who's played something like Enter the Gungeon, you know, Hades, uh, we're going to just try to uh, take on like a similar approach to that. And throughout all this you know, dungeon crawling, you will be able to kind of like find NFT loots that pre- uh, progressively gets better uh, the further you go. And those loots you can take home with you. Down the line, we do want to build out uh, multiplayer uh, and in particular, a co-op PvE style. And so much like I said before, with the single player PvE, uh, where you're going through you know, uh, dungeon crawling, this one will be you know, where you will be able to kind of like form parties with your friends and dungeon crawl together as a team. And then finally, there's the homestead mode. And this is something that, uh, you know, we think is, uh, this is something that we can, we think can add a lot of uh, extra kind of depth to the game. And in particular, what this is, is that, you know, since you are playing in uh, this faraway settlement, um, you know, trying to help Alteris here, uh, you will be, you know, participating in kind of constructing the settlements, you know, building out uh, a new home building out, you know, helping build out like the, the settlement itself. And so a large part of this is, you know, taking a lot of the NFT loot you find in dungeons, whether that is house items, whether that is character cosmetics, uh, and be able to just kind of like create a home that's really yours. And so especially in the early, early kind of uh, phases, uh, which we'll mention later with the settlement launch, this will be a, uh, a chance for, you know, players to really just show off like what they've got. And we want mm-hmm. to really have this sort of like social component to it. Uh, and we think like that just, you know, adds a lot more depth and just is able to make the game a lot more fun. So kind of like um, almost like an Animal Crossing-ish piece to this larger it, it roguelike some, MMO, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, similar. There's, one, there's also one thing more. That's, that's the fact that one of the things that we sort of want to replicate is this feeling that MMOs kind of grant players when you see other players like live running around, right? One mm-hmm. of the things that we will want to have in the future is let's let's call it this open world kind of town. Uh, like if you've played any mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, it's like picture like Stormwind, right? Where you have like yep. different places in the city that you need to go to in order to, well, to get your quests, to craft mm-hmm. stuff, if that's ever um, in the scope. But the idea is to have this sort of semi-live world where you can see other players running around and, well, mm-hmm. show your stuff to them. Like one of the cool aspects of, of MMOs was that you could interact. And not only that you could interact, it was that you can show, showcase your stuff to other people and chat with them. and. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much have like, like that, that live feeling. That sounds exciting. I, I'm, I'm engaged already. <laughs> how did, uh, I mean, I, I have, but I have, how did the beacon get started? But I feel like we've covered that already, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it pretty much was, was what we mentioned before mm-hmm. that 
we decided to quit our jobs, create our own uh, right. software development company. Then we found a client that pretty much mm -hmm. led us into the gamify space. And by working there, we realized that there was a chance in here to create like a good game, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when we just pretty much set out to do that entirely. Like right now, all of us are working full time in this. Okay. So what does it mean to be free to play? Like I can just log on to the website, jump right in and, and go through one of these dungeon crawls. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly the idea. Um, so, I mean, if we think about free to play traditionally, it's just, you can experience the gameplay without needing to make any upfront purchases and same thing here. I think, you know, the, the future of this space as well, not just with our game is that games should be able to allow players to experience the gameplay. Uh, without needing to own NFTs uh, out front and uh, outright. And so kind of what that means is that, yeah, like you said, you could jump in, go into the website, start playing the, you know, checking out the dungeon, go visit, you know, the settlement, walk around uh, without needing to make any purchases. Um, you know, obviously making a purchase will unlock certain extra features and, you know, having a wallet, having NFTs, especially down the line, we imagine that it will kind of give you a lot of uh, additional kind of lateral a lot of extra kind of uh, gameplay depth um but you know those are completely optional it's kind of you know on your own terms as a player perfectly fine i assume this is going to be web-based right or am i going to have to download an application At first yes so for the settlement launch it's going to be uh in the browser but we have plans of you know like taking this to desktop i think this this kind of games uh, should should exist uh, you know outside of the of the browser as well you know like just mm -hmm. to get the most out of mm -hmm. your machine and just to make the experience better right I always think about what Garp said on our podcast, and you can listen to that episode, and this is more for the listeners, but he said mobile is the future. You know, they want to get as many mobile games as possible. So is there an opportunity for mobile in the future through like the MetaMask browser, or have you not considered that yet? So I, I think there is. Uh, the, mm -hmm. I guess like, it depends to what level we can expose uh, the gameplay uh, on mobile as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because, for example, in Dungeons itself, you know, it's kind of like a dual stick kind of gameplay. So that's kind of hard to get right on, on mobile True. and be, like, to be able to provide the same experience. But there's other parts of the game as well, right? Like the whole mm -hmm. social part, you know, building your house, decorating your character, just browsing. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of those could definitely live in, in mobile for sure. Mm -hmm. And they, well, and they also have uh, dual stick controllers now that attach to phones. Well, I yeah, personally yeah. don't have one, so I mean, there's a possibility. Yeah, I just think about I, I've been playing this Marvel Snap lately. It's like addicting. It's like a, a three <laughs> minute. Every game is like three minutes long. It's it's so great. So it's like in my head. All right. So you guys talk about this settlement launch, which is coming up at the end of this month. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. The twenty fifth of November. Is that you said the 25th of November. Is that the first piece of the game that will be available to users? Or can I play the beacon now and I'm just like sleeping somewhere? <laughs> no, so, you cannot play it yet. But it's, it's going to be like the first. Uh, you you, you will need to come to Lisbon. <laughs> oh, <teams>. okay. <laughs> no, come to no, Lisbon. Uh, I'll, I'll let Raf explain this one. I mean, or at least that part. No, yeah, I guess like it's actually, maybe I think you should take this one. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking sure. a lot about this. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, how we're envisioning the settlement launch is that this is going to be a way for us to really show the community what we are building. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we strongly believe in kind of just building out, uh, out in the open and kind of just you know letting people like know what they're you know purchasing, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And so this is really that opportunity. And so how we're thinking about the settlement launch is that it's a way for members to be able to get a sneak peek. 
of just the very early version of the game's homestead mode uh, and single-player mm-hmm. PvE mode. And so as part of this, players will be able to try out the gameplay um, and in the okay. process acquire NFTs. So some of these NFTs, they won't ever be available again. Um, and so this mm-hmm. is kind of just a, 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 just a reward, especially for our early supporters. In terms of like the actual gameplay that you can expect, we're going to have a very scoped and limited version of the dungeon where we'll have essentially daily quests. Uh, you can mm-hmm. go into the dungeon. Uh, it'll look a little bit different every day. And in doing so, you can kind of, if you're able to complete it, um, you're able to you know, receive a reward. And likewise, in the settlements, in the heart of the settlement, which is the tavern, uh, there will also be kind of daily challenges uh, during this period where you can kind of go in uh, interact with the NPCs, uh, and you know if your interaction, uh, if you answer, say, questions correctly or something like that, uh, you can also be rewarded. And during this time, players can you know essentially have their house that they can decorate with the rewards they've gained from these two places, uh, and in doing so, essentially really you know just showcase their stuff and compete with uh, other players to really just have like the best, uh, the the dankest looking house. house. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, we, yeah. we will also we will also be handing away uh, raffle tickets through these activities, and by the end of the settlement lunch, players who have raffle tickets will have a chance of obtaining a whitelist spot. Yeah, okay. and so this is all kind of like in uh, in a lead up, for example, to the uh, the the whitelist minting uh, that we will have um, down the line here. And so uh, this is an early chance for people to you know not just like try things out, um, but also kind of just get in on the action. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully before before others can. Um, after the settlement launch is over, uh, we do envision that it will just run for three weeks. Mm-hmm. After that's over, you know, any of the NFT earning events will be closed, but people will still have access to their house. They can still walk around, but we just, you know, we're, we're going to be heads down back into under development, uh, building out really a lot more of the dungeon features, a lot more of the, the, the settlement town it will, uh, itself, mm-hmm. and, you know, just building out more of the gameplay. In the interim between, you know, after the settlement launch, players can still very much, you know, change their house, decorate their house and, you know, view other people's houses in a uh, dashboard. Okay. First off, that's awesome. That all sounds amazing. I'm like really (laughs) excited. I definitely want to, like I said, I want to try this game. But you also guys, you said a lot of stuff there. So uh, forgive me if I just want to go back. So sure, sure. Whitelist spots. Is it whitelist to play the settlement part or is the settlement piece, the homestead piece going to be open to anybody who wants to play? Yeah, the homestead piece, yeah, the settlement launch is open to anyone. Um, If you have a wallet, you can participate in it. Um, You don't need to purchase anything, even though we do give the ability for people to become, you know, founding members. Mm -hmm. Founding members is kind of just a way to, you know, give you you a little bit of extra for, you know, as thank you for your support. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll come with, you know, uh, some extra NFTs. And a chance to kind of get like these, um, some of these like really exclusive ones. And then throughout this process, as you kind of participate in the settlement launch events, um, you know, you are getting uh, raffle tickets sometimes, you know, like, uh, and that will convert to whitelist spots. It'll convert to, you know, uh, maybe like being higher up on the waiting list and such that when we actually hit the mint date, uh, which we have right now slated for uh, December. Um, that you will essentially be able to kind of uh, get a chance to get it on the action and mint. Um, so that mm-hmm. will come uh, after the settlement launch is over. Okay. And so when we talk about minting, what are we minting? Because I haven't really seen much talk about an NFT related to you guys, mm-hmm. although I, 
admittedly, I haven't dug too deep into your roadmap or anything like that. What is the uh, NFT that's going to be minted? Cool. Diego, you want to take this? I mean, sure. What will be minted will be pets. Uh, that's basically oh, what okay. the wild spots are for. And pets are an accessory, uh, let's say, perk to the game uh, that will be offered. That will be composed of unique uh, of, of of only four thousand ninety six uh, pets with different rarities. Mm -hmm. And you will be able to mint one of those, and this will have different impacts on the player's experience uh, as the game progresses. Your character sure. is. I guess, given to you when you sign up and I guess attached to your wallet. Um, what type of character creation opportunities are we going to have in there as well? So the character is, is an NFT. It is oh, okay. an NFT, but, but it, it's, so it starts in game, but you, can, you will be able to withdraw it and, and basically use it as, as, as an NFT as, as well. Mm -hmm. right? uh, with some limitations at first, uh, but that's kind of going to be the case. And I guess soon we're going to share more details there. But okay. your character okay. is basically something you can, you know, you can dress him up with these different cosmetics. Mm -hmm. It gets generated with some, you know, uh, some uh, information about uh, himself. So, you know, like a name, you know, like and a couple of other little details there, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. But mainly it's uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, like it's, 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 it's just one little part of what gives you access to the, I guess, the whole game. It's like if, if you have free to play, you know, like owning a real character is what gives you the, the access to the full uh, game experience. Uh, in the long term. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so I guess like there's not much too much fleshed out in terms of characters like for what's in the future, but no. that's what they look like right now. Yeah, no, no, but that's okay because like when you think about it, like you're talking about this MMO like roguelite. So, you know, you're gonna have a character who I'm assuming is gonna level every time you do these dungeons. And so maybe if they die they don't get as much experience before they reach the end of the dungeon, but you know, like I'm sure eventually they're going to be like huge, you know, characters who've got a lot of experience and are like higher level and, you know, just like there are in many other MMOs. So sounds like pretty cool. How are you guys going to integrate magic into the game? Because I, I know that that's usually one of the uh, important pieces to this whole uh, ecosystem is kind of yeah, so making sure that everything is connected. Mm -hmm. The way we plan to use magic is as the main unit of account uh, of, mm -hmm. of the game, basically. So in that sense, whatever it is that the game will be selling or several purchases inside the game will be transacted on Magic. And this will also apply for the secondary market mm -hmm. uh, of the game, right? We are also applying to the TIP-09 emissions where, where if we're granted those, we plan to, uh, to give away some of these uh, Magic rewards to players just to generate like a pleasant experience. And ideally, this will be tied to, let's say, uh, challenging feats inside the game. But the idea of using these emissions would be to pretty much like to boost engagement, um, to give a good experience of, during the gameplay, and to help us grow uh, the initial player base. Uh, we do know that Magic also plans to grow a lot, and we're not closed in any way to to having to, have, to having like deeper integrations with the Magic ecosystem itself. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um, but we're still fleshing out some aspects of the gameplay, so that's why we haven't really had that discussion, although we are somewhat open to it. Hey, that, that's great. I, I think that that's a perfect use case for the magic token. And I want to see what that looks like. Um, I'm sure it's going to work out really well because that's always how I imagined it too, right? Regardless of the cartridge, as we call them in the magic ecosystem, if you're using magic within the game, like then you're being true to the actual token itself. You know, sometimes there are certain, there are certain games where they have their own tokens and 
you know, it just, it gets very convoluted. So yeah, yeah. It's usually uh, painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually complicated. Yeah. So moving on, I know that you guys have a lot of collaborations that you've announced with the beacon. Tell me a little bit more about what those collaborations mean. Cause I think, uh, from what I saw, some of it's like a little cosmetic, mm -hmm. but, uh, how are you able to kind of form those collaborations? And does this mean that the projects that you're working with are on board with the beacon and are kind mm -hmm. of supporting it as well? Yeah, for the most part, right? Uh, so basically, these collaborations, um, we're still, of course, like working on this actively, right? In that sense, interoperability is huge for us, right? Like this capacity of using, call it an NFT, and in, in different places at the same time, like adding value to the to the NFT itself. Uh, the way that these collaborations work is where we basically pretty much partner with a project. Most of these projects are on Magic, but we're not exclusively limited to Magic. And just by partnering, basically, we grant this free-to-claim NFTs to the holders of the partnered collection. Right? So basically, if you own, let's say, a Toadstool, by game launch, you will be able to claim this Toadstool uh, NFT Insider game. And usually, these NFTs Insider game take the form of cosmetics in the form, I, most, in the most of the cases, in the form of house, decora house decoration items. Right. This is also, we're also evaluating the, the opportunity for character cosmetics, but those do take a bit more time. And well, it's usually a cosmetic, a free to claim cosmetic for the, for the partners that we pretty much work with. And there's, well, we're actively working on this uh, to have more and more, more and more uh, collaborators as we go. Yeah. But I think one thing uh, I want to point out that's like really interesting about this is that, you know, because this is Web3, um there's and all these items all these collections they're universally accessible um yeah, we, yeah. we don't need any permission in order to mm -hmm. kind of like provide uh you know our supports uh you know additional utility for the holders of these uh items so i think like you know the tying into like the overall philosophy um is that you know this is part of why we love um web3 is just that you know uh, all of the stuff is like uh, by nature, interoperable, and you know, even if the projects themselves don't necessarily give us the green light, we would still be able to to do so. Mm -hmm. Certainly, <laughs> yeah. I I think that you speak to something that I spoke. I was just talking about earlier with someone else. Is that like like you said, the interoperability is so important and such a key feature that I think people really overlook how easy it really is to integrate. You know, I come from. The restaurant industry originally like that was my traditional finance role but when i was there you know we would have pieces of software and if you wanted to get them to talk to one another you had to develop this piece of middleware so that they could talk to one another and what i love about the blockchain is you don't need that anymore it's literally yeah, like yeah. one line of code right it's like yeah. so simple it um, essentially solves standardization um yes that's that's the beauty of it mm -hmm. yeah. and you don't even we, need we, to we, think about it Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we don't need, need to ask any permission, although for the sake of, let's say, having relationships, we have partnered, like, let's mm -hmm. say more officially, but mm -hmm. we, we don't have any limits in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you guys, um, have you played, have you guys played ether orcs at all? I haven't, personally. I haven't, I haven't okay. but I'm aware of the project, but I haven't. Yeah. That, I mean, they have a pretty interesting dungeon crawler, but they might be open to some sort of collaboration like that as well. They, they have a pretty big community. But, I actually but, did reach out to them, I mm -hmm. think, early today. So Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they're not magic-related 
but still very very fun guys and uh honestly it it takes me to like the next kind of area of this conversation i want to go to which is the state of web3 gaming and and what what web3 gaming means and you know i know that we play a lot of these and i use the term play loosely we play a lot of these games that are really just point and click adventures right now and you know what do you think and and that's why i'm very excited about your project because it seems like an actual game game which i'm very excited about because i you know, I've been playing the Battlefly Racer, but and Planet Crossword, which I I'm a, I'm a crossword puzzle geek. But oh, me too. <laughs> I've, I've, I've spent like an afternoon just <laughs> playing that. It's funny. I actually got my girlfriend to play one with me, but we were trying to set it up because she was in a different location and she couldn't get it to open. So I started reaching out to the guys and I was like, "Hey, can you help us out?" And we figured out, you know, how to do it. But it was just it was funny. Come on, because I was like. Hey, check this out. This is Web Three. You know, we could play a crossword puzzle together, and it didn't work. For- <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but what do you guys think? Uh, well, I guess starting out first off, what do you love and hate about the gaming space in Web Three? I mean, clearly we love you know the community aspect, but what else? Is there other things that you like about it? Hmm. Oh, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so- it's a very broad question. Yeah, go there if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I can I can speak uh, I can speak for you know why we think uh, the gaming space in Web three is just super cool. Um, so I mean mm-hmm. like first off I think philosophically we see you know NFTs and just like blockchain gaming uh, as really a resurgence or it, it's a, it's very reminiscent of kind of what we saw with free to play that kind of originated mm-hmm. you know that that really grew like over ten years ago. And, you know, the, how, how it really is, is that like, you know, you have this entire new mechanic uh, to games, um, you know, with a free to play is that, you know, you suddenly have this uh, new monetization mechanics for developers, um, but also all these benefits for players where the players didn't need to, you know, make upfront purchases. They knew what they were kind of getting into uh, and you mm-hmm. were able to, you know, if you like the game more, you can like obviously spend more, but like it was kind of really on your own terms. And I think like in much the same way here, um, you know, Web3 with, you know, applied to gaming, uh, which maybe we should call it Game3, um, you know, <laughs> with Game3 kind of what, what we're seeing here is that like it's, the, it's very much like the similar thing where you have all these new mechanics that are opening up, you know, for the players, you suddenly are able to kind of just get all these sort of uh, universal access to your to your item um you know you it's not locked in the game you could do whatever you like with it and kind of what we talked about before where it's like partner programs they can if they want to give utility to your item they could uh and so we can we see that there's a lot of potential for that network effect to grow for just you know all these um uh, network effect in terms of value right for Mm -hmm. all the items that you own and then for developers um, we actually think that it's going to be inevitable that like major every pretty much like any major studio uh, worth their salt is probably going to be building in this space. The um, the the revenue mechanics and stuff like that is just so much more improved. Um, you know, you're able to kind of uh, have um, you know actually have like legitimate pre-sales that you know um, and people could be you know are interested in it and. Even if uh, maybe something doesn't work out, you know, you still own the thing that like kind of was getting pre-sold. There's a lot of you know the whole idea with like royalties and stuff like that. Uh, you know, for the creator, it was also you know I think it just makes so much sense that it's you know like free to play. 
at some point, you know, it's just not going to make sense not to, you know, uh, take advantage of some of these mechanics. Um, so I think like th that's why I think the Web three, you know, Game three space is particularly exciting, um, just all around for everyone. Um, where it needs to improve, you know, like the the really the bad pieces here, I think, is the user experience. Um, mm -hmm. It's just too convoluted having to, you know, essentially get a wallet, buy tokens, then use that to swap for, you know, other tokens. Right, to bridge. Pay. Yeah. And even, even if you think about it, like paying gas from a consumer perspective, most, um, most you know, developing countries, I mean, most uh, developed countries and stuff like that, consumers don't pay um, transaction fees. It's always the sellers. So I think like having some way further down the line to kind of delegate the fees to another third party or to the um, to the I guess the the vendor, if you will, I think like those are all going to be like important and necessary developments before the user experience is kind of on par with kind of what we have uh, with just you know going to a store and buying like you know buying a latte with a credit card. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 right there, and I think that that's that's definitely a big challenge. It's something that I talk with a lot of, I guess, my less interested in Web3 friends, um, where it's like, you know, you talk about this kind of this idea or this game. Like, I have this idea for this game of chance, right? And mm -hmm. I'm trying to explain to someone and they're like, yeah, but a normie's not going to want to use Web3. They're not even going to understand this. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have to make it easier for them to where yeah, they don't I, need I, to understand it, right? They don't need sure, to worry sure. about what's under the hood. Exactly. I, I, do, I do ambition that happening in the future, uh, inevitably. Like, let's say back in the 70s, internet was really, really complicated to use. And nowadays, nobody really knows the technology behind it. And they're just using mm -hmm. it daily. Right. Yeah. I think, like, we, the, the complexities of Web3 should only be exposed along with, like, the extra benefits, you know, uh, so the user should be able to, you know, like just just opt in into the into this stuff because it's very complicated. Like if you put it, you know, like as a requirement to use your your product or or play your game, yeah, it's just it's it's too much friction. I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in the sense that you know, like our philosophy for building is that we want to build a game that includes you know optional you know uh, Web three features as like a value add. Um, but overall, it's a game, and I think like. You know, a lot of the games maybe that are, you know, Web3 games, I think, put the focus too much on the Web3 side without, you know, trying to get comparable UX for all the, all the pieces that doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, on blockchain. And it's it's not just UX, right? Like, also, like, it feels like sometimes the focus is in the wrong place in Web3. Like, sometimes they focus yeah. too much on the Web3 part. But they're trying to build a game, right? So it, it, it we feel like it's it's kind of backwards, and, and that's when one of the reasons that where we're trying to you know expose our community as early as possible into some gameplay, you know, like so that we can mm -hmm. you know set ourselves apart from from the competition in some way, I guess, or the rest of the of the games out there that are that are doing the opposite, right? Like if, if we mm -hmm. if we show gameplay from the start, then we're we're you know saying like, hey, we're not just here to just sell you some NFTs. We're building a game, and you can participate and be part of it. But we're building a real game. Here it is. Yep. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I think it's, uh, you know, like it's, it's a couple factors, right? You got game developers who are jumping into Web3 for the first time, so they may not really know what features they should be adding. And maybe they're, you know, not familiar with like being an independent developer like that. Or maybe it's a developer who's wanted to dabble in gaming. And so they know Web3, but they don't necessarily know how to build a game itself. And, mm. you know, 
we're kind of like exploring that whole situation yeah. right now. But that's also the good thing about the magic ecosystem because, and I'm just saying this from my point of view, if you're a developer looking to make a game or you're a game developer, but you don't have the resources, the magic community has a lot of those resources available to you through the treasure yeah. DAO, which I think is huge. And they also yeah. have the community that you need to kickstart the game, which is also one of the main challenges. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if People who can, you know, like yeah. evangelize, they can uh, play test your game. Like they're mm -hmm. gonna support you yeah. throughout the journey, mm -hmm. and that's I think that's critical. Yeah. So, you know, we discussed the pros and cons of Web three gaming right now, but what do you think it's gonna take to reach a tipping point, or when do you know we've kind of reached that tipping point with? Play to earn gaming, or maybe we call it productive gaming. You know, we talk about changing, yeah. you know, the stigma behind yeah, NFTs, the right? Name of it. <laughs> right. Or blockchain you know? gaming or whatever. I'm, yeah. I mean, there's there's different takes in this one. Uh, but what I think it's that it's going to be pretty much the products that are going to bring the adoption. Like the, when real good games start to appear in this space, uh, that's when we, when it's, and, and when people actually envision the benefits of, let's say, web game three or web three versus the, the, the previous space. That's when the adoption will come. And that will, that's also going to happen because developers are going to decide to develop on Web3 instead of Web2 due to the benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's, part, it's partly products being shipped. It's, it's partly good games being built. And to me, that's also something that's inevitably gonna, going to happen. Uh, we just don't really see that. I mean, we do see some movement now. Like the, from, if you compare like this year to the previous year, like you actually are start, starting to see like good projects beginning to build. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the main the main things that right. the main things that will drive the adoption. Uh, but that's going to come by the hand of developers, right? And and I mean, I think today IMX launched the GameStop marketplace. Mm -hmm. But you know, like I think that this leads into my next question, which is, you know, gamers don't like NFTs, and I I fully <laughs> am adamant that as soon as like a Fortnite or a Call of Duty brings their skin marketplace or their cosmetics marketplace to the web three world where you can buy and sell your skins on the open market that yeah. people are going to love this. Why do gamers like, why do they not want this? Why are they so against this? Do they feel that it's a scam? Do they not understand that they're going to be able to actually own their cosmetics that they don't actually own right now? I like, feel like, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, as a, as a community, we haven't really been good stewards of like the, the web three mm -hmm. or like, you know, the blockchain mm -hmm. brand, just, you can, you can just see that with the prevalence of, you know, um, scams, rug pulls, uh, and right. also just like a bunch of like security, security, um, uh, security flaws, um, that are kind of discovered and exploited. And so I think like, you know, it's it's partially, I think, on on us as technologists not to have. Uh, I guess you know we're we're all kind of we all have, we we don't get to choose our bedfellows, uh, unfortunately, and that's kind of just the reality of the space here. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think with that said, though, uh, I, I certainly, I, I think like I certainly agree with Diego that in the sense that like a lot of adoption is going to be driven by just there being good, uh, good intellectual property, good IP in the space. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like that's probably going to just take time um, as, you know, over time, as more and more IP gets built, um, you know, there's like going to be more and more substance in the ecosystem. And that's really going to, I think, like drive, uh, drive a lot of the, uh, the usage there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think to help facilitate that, we should obviously really just reconsider a lot of the, um, a lot of the 
premises for what it takes to use uh, something in Web3, like mm -hmm. the whole concept, I think, of wallets, and even kind of, you know, for example, uh, the security, having to manage your own security, I don't necessarily think that's like a good user experience for broad markets. Um, I mm -hmm. think like for people who are like very, sub, uh, you know, um, for people maybe who are more technical and stuff like that, this is we're we're more than happy to kind of uh, rely on our on our own kind of uh, gumption and stuff like that. Um, but I think for the for you know the quote unquote normies, um, you know, they would prefer to have better uh, consumer protection over um, as opposed to like you know this ideology of just you know owning your own security, owning your own wallets, uh, you know, having full full access to that. Um, so right. I think like the, the, we need to we should probably just re-examine you know what what is, what is actually going to be important here, and that's kind of why I was harking on you know good user experience before because I think like just the whole wallet um, kind of process is not good user experience. Um, but kind of like more to your point about just like the value of NFTs, right? Is that you know owning your NFT like. I think we need to just add more utility. Um, I think the the idea of like kind of being able to liquidate and access the market on your own without mm -hmm. kind of uh, having you know without having to go through like a game, I think is super valuable. Um, but like, is there anything more that we can do? You know, a lot of people I think are pretty content right now with the with the fact that you know they purchase items and that's it. You know, there's already a consumer expectation that like you know. This is something that you know is totally digital. That like you know, I just won't be able to like liquidate later. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe part of it is that you know we increase, you know, we we message that there's better and more value propositions than just the financial aspects of it. Maybe there's like greater um, utility provided by third parties, um, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's 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 a confluence of factors um, that we can we can all work on. Yeah, right. yeah. I think to to add to that, it's the, the, why do let's say normal gamers don't really like Web three? It's also the fact that they don't really understand because nobody really dives that deep into something that has let's say a bad reputation that easily. They don't mm -hmm. really. I, I don't think that they totally see yet the the potential upside of the technology. Right. And uh, that will we will we're trying to push forward for to make that more evident, right? But mm -hmm. right now that's sort of invisible. Uh, the references that you have on the market, let's say the projects that 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 exist right now uh, are not at anywhere as good as the, let's say, as the regular games on the, let's call it, web right. 2 space. Right. Uh, these, these PFP projects that are, let's say, worth 300K don't really make sense to, let's say, to, to most normies, maybe. There's, there's plenty of noise in here that needs to be uh, removed before people can actually understand what's the benefit, what's the benefit of, the, of the technology inside the game. Mm. Yeah. But to so, me, as sure, sure, go, Rafa, if you want. No, so I was gonna say, like, from from a gamer's perspective, like, if, if you, that, who doesn't know Web three, like, when you hear NFTs, you 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 hear mostly only bad stuff, right? Like from the news, you know, like the, there was like this rug pull or or whatever, right? Or like this, uh, I know, a, a big uh, game, you know, decided to do this move, but maybe they don't understand the ecosystem too well. They just know like NFTs, we want to do this. And they do something that's bad for the game. So they're not putting the game first, which for a gamer, you know, who's very passionate, it's a very bad thing, right? So why mm -hmm. is this words, this word, you know, like this NFT thing, why is it ruining my games? That can also happen, right? Like I, I, I know a lot of people, you know, who are, they, they are allergic to this word. And I think like yeah. part of it is, of course, not understanding uh, what NFTs unlock in terms of capabilities. Mm -hmm. And yes, to Davis' uh, point, you know, I think like the as as the market matures and it gives better examples of you know really high value use cases for NFTs, it's gonna be easier to onboard people into this side of the of the space, I guess. All right. So like uh, 
better user experience is just going to lead to more people coming in. Sure, more information and, and, and also, let's say, more evidence of what the, project, what, what the capacity of the technology is. Let's say mm -hmm. if at some point yeah. you're able to grab a sword in, of your game and take it out of the game and, and, I don't know, trade it for a game in Sword C without any, any, without, without any, any necessarily um, interaction between those two projects, that's pretty huge. But you can yeah. still uh, keep on growing that principle towards the fact that you pre can pretty much just export effort and value of a game towards an open market. And that's, that's, that's huge if you actually have the, let's say, the support for that in the ecosystem. And that's bound to happen. That's, that's the way I see it. At some point, you will be able to trade, let's say, a sword in a game for a ticket entrance to Coachella. That's an NFT, for instance. Like, that's right. going to happen at some point, right? And that's, that's huge. And I don't, I don't see the gamer community already taking, I mean, I, I don't see them seeing that, uh, let's call it. But they mm -hmm. will eventually it's up to, us, the technology uh, to make that happen, right? Yeah. So, re you know, like reduce the friction on on ramps. That's a big one, right? And just provide, uh, just try to unlock the, 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 the real utility behind NFTs in games. Uh, the more we do that, you know, the, the more convincing it's going to be for other people to come in into the space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this kind of like uh, ties a little bit into uh, what we see the Gabriel uh, Layden from Digidio. Uh, uh, pardon me if I'm butchering the name there, but I'm, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Digidio, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he, he's kind of, I mean, we, we completely agree with the sentiment of like just trying to rebrand, um, you know, like NFTs, like Web3 and stuff like that. I mean, that's that was kind of why like earlier, kind of just, you know, you know, as a joke, obviously, you know, mention like game three, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, I think, you know, sometimes we should probably, you know, to play smart, we should probably just get ahead of ourselves and like, you know, use the terminology, use some, you know, non-poisoned uh, terminology in terms of uh, communicating to our audiences here. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying I advocate for digis. Um, I think it's, <laughs> no, it feel, feels a little bit too 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 nebulous and too broad as to like what the actual value proposition is because I, I think like right now is that like we need to have, we need some sort of like terminology that really simply communicates value proposition digital collectibles i think is kind of a little bit way too broad like it could be like an nft like profile picture or it could be you know some some other like in-game it's also a mouthful too right digital yeah. collectibles just you know i think yeah. I think someone's going to come up with it or it's just going to, or the zeitgeist is just going to come yeah. up with some sort of name yeah. and it's just going to stick. I mean, like to, to, to that, to that point, uh, I do think that, uh, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. We should establish a distinction between, let's say items in games in blockchain versus let's mm -hmm. say collections of PFPs and stuff like that. Cause even though they all fall under the umbrella of, let's call them mm -hmm. digital collectibles, they're not necessarily the same thing. And I think that mixing those together is not really helpful for, for what we're trying to build right now as, right. as, as a gaming blockchain. Yeah. I, I just want there to be like, you know, free to play was such a great, you know, terminology, like something, yeah. something akin to that, that just like any, anybody who hears it is like, oh, that's what I should do with, you know, this mm -hmm. thing that I own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what people come up with, but I can't think of anything that sounds even remotely cool. The only thing I thought of just now was Gasset, and that just doesn't sound really, really good at all. Wait, what, what was that? Gasset? Gasset. It's like a game oh. asset. I don't know. Oh, oh no. That's, I, I thought it, was, it had to do with gas or something. So uh, that's yeah, that's my, that's, see, that's my point. 
Well, I guess yeah, maybe we... game three is kind of interesting. Yeah, game three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I think it's doing a little bit too much heavy lifting, like you know, borrowing yeah. from game three. It's 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 yeah. not good. It's not good. Um, that too, and, and it's just too broad still. Like you yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. don't know what what it means. Exactly. Um, like maybe universally accessible loot, <laughs> UAL. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be an acronym of something at some point. Yeah. Sadly, yes. But guys, this is a great hour. I feel like it flew by. I want to say that I'm really excited about the beacon. I'm looking forward to checking out the settlements on the 25th. Um, I'm going to really I, mean, I think i'm gonna try and stream it too because i, I kind of want to do some more streaming of web3 gaming uh as the magic hour pod so um maybe this will be the first game i stream it looks fun enough for sure and uh you know like i think that's another way we should get people into this space is okay. you know they're all sure, over sure, twitch and awesome. youtube and stuff like that so let's uh let's try to make that happen too but uh for now thanks very much for coming on the pod it was a pleasure talking with you guys and yeah, yeah. Uh, we, good we luck to you as well yeah 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 it was a pleasure thanks for having us yeah thanks yeah. for having us yeah for sure yeah, yeah you here and for the people who are listening to this remember the 25th you know be ready we're gonna be waiting for you <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. remember Journey remember remember the 25th of before november before. right <laughs> there you go <laughs> That concludes another episode of Magic Hour, friends. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Magic Hour Pod. All the links are found on our link tree, which is in the show notes. From all of us, we appreciate your support for Bridge World. Bridge World.